This podcast aims to help you break in and thrive in advertising. And we do that by interviewing successful people in the industry. And today I chop it up with Joel Kaplan, an executive creative director and partner at Matezik Hoffer. Joel's a rock star in the industry because he believes creativity requires moving quickly and pushing boundaries. And as a result, he and his team have won awards from Cannes, such as the Titanium Lion, the One Show Integrated Best in Show, and the ADC Hybrid Cube. I love how Joel's break-in story is so unique this episode. From agency receptionist to today an ECD, Joel tells us what it takes to break in and thrive in advertising long-term. Matezik Hoffer, or we'll call it MH, this episode is where he works at today. They're based in San Francisco and have worked with notable clients such as Bed Bath & Beyond, Audi, Method, the Washington Nationals, and plenty more. So it's a great agency to have on your list. And this is a great episode overall for anyone interested in advertising at any level. Joel is honest with his advice, making him a perfect B&E guest. And you can actually connect with Joel by visiting our Instagram at breaking and entering pod, all one word at breaking and entering pod. And I have a little secret for you. Our breaking and entering team compiles recommended resources, including books, podcasts, articles, influencers, and more from each guest every week. So that's over 100 uh, resources there. And we put those in a master resource list that everyone can access for free. Yep, for free. And that's only available through the link in our Instagram account. So it's all good stuff, all designed to help you break into the industry. Now on with the show. This is the Breaking and Entering Advertising Podcast. And as usual, I'm your accomplice, Gino Schellenberger. Kick it, Mikey. Joel Kaplan, welcome to the Breaking and Entering Advertising Podcast. Thanks so much for coming on today. How is it in San Francisco today? So it's a little rainy? Yeah, it's a little rainy. It's good. We haven't had rain in eight years, so having a little Mm. bit of rain today, everyone just celebrates it. We don't mind the clouds. How you doing? How's Chicago? Chicago is cold today. It was it, it's warm. It was warm yesterday, but this weekend we have a high forecast of sixty something. I think this Saturday. It's better than gray and seven. I, I, what I like there is that wind chill of like negative twenty. It's going to be thirty nine degrees out with a wind chill of negative twenty four. And fun. tell us where you grew up. I grew up uh, just south of Chicago. We were talking about this right before we pressed play. Mm-hmm. I grew up in Champaign, Illinois, which is about yeah. two hours south of where you are. Yep. Two hours is you, then about an hour and a half of cornfields, and mm-hmm. then pretty much my house growing up. Yep. I know friends from Muhammad, Illinois, mm-hmm. and I went to school in Champaign at University of Illinois, so you're familiar with that. But I, Yeah, I was. Uh, they called people like me a townie. Yeah, yes, yes. <laughs> we lived in town, would show up at the bars on breaks and then disappear again. Absolutely, absolutely. Love love some townie at. <laughs> so lots of downies, but that's awesome. Thanks for coming on the show. We're going to be talking about you because uh, you went from Champaign area, Champaign County to San Francisco. So there's, I'm sure a lot happened in between those two uh, locations, but t- today you are an executive creator, creative director at Matezik Hoffer. And did I say that correctly? You did. You know what? Let's just call it. MH is the easy way to go. 
our agency name is not an easy one. It doesn't roll off the tongue. And why is it called uh, Mateza Hoffer? The name of our founders, the, mm -hmm. the, the founding members, Mr. Matezik and Mr. Hopper founded the agency back in the day. Nice. And so we adapted and took their names on, which yep. I think we could all agree in hindsight, maybe wasn't the absolute best idea for ease of repeating and, and, and memorability. I've worked at all sorts of places that have names that people have trouble remembering. I worked at Pereira and Odell. Oh, yeah. And people seem to always have trouble with that one. I worked at AKQA and... Yeah. The number one question was, what the hell does that stand for? Do you remember? One of the founding members, his name was Ajaz. And honestly, I believe it was his initials, but it was constantly told to us in a different way. For a mm. while, we just told everyone and meant all known questions answered. But once nice. again, I, there's so many initial agencies in the world. I don't know what half of them stand for. We're, we're, we go by MH. We're owned by a group in London. BCCP, okay. uh, the amount of initials in the agency world, it's like the law firms. Yeah, yeah. You got to love it, though. What? So tell us about MH and your role there. MH is, MH is a mid-size agency. We work um, on global accounts, U.S.-based accounts. We've been fortunate. We're, we're about 12 years old now, but we've been pretty fortunate for a fairly young agency to work with some of the most awesome brands in the world. And because we're in San Francisco, early on, we got to play in the tech world. We got to play with Google, one of the biggest information companies in the world. We got to play with Netflix, one of the biggest entertainment companies in the world. We've worked with Hulu, Lyft, Gig, Apple. Amazon. We've worked with these amazing West Coast-based companies that happen to be changing the way we all operate every single day. And I think that was really because of where we were located when we launched and, and how we thought. How we, nice. you know, have you, you live in Chicago. Have you ever lived in like DC or LA? No, I haven't. So the interesting thing is you go to certain towns and they are dominated by an industry. And that, and that takes over everything, right? You go to DC and, and every conversation, you walk into an apartment you walk into a party, you start talking to people. For some reason, all of a sudden you're talking about politics or what's happening on the Hill, yeah. or what's happening in the Beltway. And that's that's because that is the predominant force and way of thinking in that area. You go to Los Angeles, it's about the entertainment industry. Whether yep. you work on a TV show or not, what's going on? Oh, did the Oscars got postponed? I heard they're shutting down the street for filming. That's the conversation you have. Right. In San Francisco, it's the tech world. It's this idea of who has just blown what up, who's disrupting what, who's just right. restarted a new company. And so being an agency in that world, you think that way. You have to. You have to. You operate that way. And then you end up finding like-minded clients early on, which is what we were able to do. And I think it, it really helped us jump into uh, a sphere of some amazing global clients, which was great. Very interesting. So more tech fo focus is what we're learning. I know Chicago is very consumer packaged good. Yeah. It's always yeah. been that way. So. Yeah. San Francisco, the West Coast has been more tech focused. And even that's evolved. Mm -hmm. You might have said tech back in the day and meant HP or Google. And now when you say tech, it can mean anything from social platforms to autonomous and, and electric car manufacturers. Sure. But we still would just call it tech because it's the mentality, this idea of constantly move, constantly iterate, constantly mm. transform yourself, 
come up with an other idea, throw it away. That that mindset of how a company operates, whether you're actually building a tech property or not, we just refer to that as the, the tech mindset. Hmm. And we're lucky as an agency that we started that way, taking that that disrupt tech mentality of faster, mm-hmm. iterative, never falling in love with something. And, like and we were we were evolving to that form of advertising right when that was the right way to evolve. Social was erupting. The speed in which advertising had to be creative was transforming from the old production model to the new constantly on constant content, constant creation mechanism. And all that really aligned well. And I think that's positioned us as a a pretty modern group of storytellers. Yes. As a creative director, as an ECD, how do you enforce that? That's a good question. I, I, I don't know if enforce is the right word. Yeah. I, after I said that, I was like, <laughs> I don't know about enforce, but how do you no, foster I mean, a collaborative, fast-thinking yeah. environment is my, my question. If I Yeah. Have Number one, you hire. You're looking for people, not just creatives, but everyone in the agency. You're looking for people that are trying to create new forms of communication and content all the time. People that aren't stuck in a traditional format. So right off the bat, that's key, hiring. Hiring, Secondly, that's how we judge the work. That's Mm -hmm. how everyone from account leads to creative leads to strategic leads is setting up the work and judging work. When we walk in to meet a new client, we're Mm -hmm. pretty clear about this is what we think the right values are for what we want to achieve. And those values are making something worth putting out in the world, not disrupting people, but providing value. Okay. Working with new new media outlets as opposed to staying really beholden to old media outlets. And, and so you just push it at every turn. Yeah, you're managing expectations all around, whether it's from hiring or speaking with clients. That's what a good agency does. It's, it's always providing value. And I love that. Okay. And I like how you talk... You- foreshadowed hiring because we're going to definitely talk about because our listeners want to know how to get hired at an agency mh so we'll talk about that later yeah on. but before we dive into how to hire other people i want to learn how you got hired in the beginning yeah and even before that though and what do you like most about your role as an ecd what are your day-to-day responsibilities what do you take on before we kick it back to your start so my biggest job is to be the um, the kind of defender of a certain level of taste. Okay. To constantly work with everyone to say, hey, this is the taste level we want to present. This is the kind of story or the kind of spin or the kind of presentation you want your work to have so that it specifically does not interrupt people and offend them and mm. actually makes them want to pay attention or share or or talk or watch. Do you have an example of this recently that you're proud of? Yeah, uh, a couple. Last year, we worked with a client called Niantic, which is basically a a mobile, I'm going to call them a mobile game developer. Actually, what they do is they interact with your cell phone in ways that let you play games that interact with the world around you. They they create AR games. So I love that you you move throughout your world. You don't sit there and play your games. You move throughout your like, world. Like uh, Pokemon Go is the first thing that comes to my mind. Well, that's that's their biggest game, Pokemon. Oh, Go. they made that. Yeah. Oh, so look at me. 
I know that was good. That's called hitting the post, and we didn't even have to do anything off no, camera. That's, that's good that was stuff. perfect. Keep so that in. That's yeah. So they're the they run Pokemon Go in the states, and last year we did this thing with them during what they call Go Fest, which is a big get together of people in a physical space. COVID had gone down over the summer. Sure, they were going to have this physical event and they wanted to come up with something interesting that everyone getting together could do that they wouldn't be able to do on their own. Right. So we came up with this idea called legendary night where it was about how Pokemon go, which is one of the big, one of the biggest mobile games in the world is always played on your phone. So the downloads of this game, the people who participate are massive in just about every country in the world, but it always happens on a six inch screen in front of your face. And we presented a way to make that game actually happen 13,000 times bigger than you're used to it. So sure. on this huge, gigantic egg. And we inflated this huge egg screen and put it in the middle of Millennial Park in Chicago and had all these people wandering around saying, what the hell is this egg doing here? What's going on? There was Reddit threads. The news mm -hmm. was covering it. And the whole point was as Pokemon Go fans got together for GoFest, this egg came to life. We projected on it all around it. Mm -hmm. uh, and then let people interact with the projections and actually battle Pokemon uh, in the biggest way they've ever done before. Why do you think that works so well? I think it works well because it's different. Like I said, you, you're playing a game on your phone all the time and people invest massive amounts of time into this game. So when you tell them, hey, there's a different way to play this game, it, it's still the game you love, but it actually is going to feel as big as it always feels in your heart. You're wandering mm -hmm. around giving it all this time we're going to make it gigantic and give you a chance to to play this game in a new way. Um, that's really, really intriguing because Absolutely. of the word new. Because I, the thing about new, and you hear everyone talk about fresh or new in advertising. Yeah. New does not mean come up with something that is so new that people have no emotional investment. It means is what's something that people love that we can extend the world of, that we can show you. You love A. We've made a new part of A, let's call hmm. it B, and it's going to feel fresh and different and all these things, but it's still going to respect the things you love about your game or your product. Uh, That's what this did. A, a, a fresh extension of something you already know. It, well, for something like a game, yeah. Sure. We've, we've done a, a number of partnership bits of content. We work with Audi. Right. right. Audi for years Audi. had this Audi. great partnership with Marvel. So everyone remembers the first time you saw Iron Man drove the mm. R8. That's how they introduced the R8, the supercar, which is this awesome, badass car. And you saw Tony Stark driving it, and that was a partnership between Audi and Marvel that worked really well. Over the years, as Audi has been involved in other movies, they've looked for other ways to continue that partnership. And we've made these short films with them for mm -hmm. the first two Tom Holland Spider-Man movies. Yeah. And yeah. the key with those films was not making an Audi commercial that happened to tap into Spider-Man because that's kind of bullshit, right? Anytime sure. you see, you got a book you love or a film you love and some product does a commercial about it where they just use the characters, you feel mm. like, yo, I love those characters and you have just abused them. You've it's just, borrowed interest, yeah. Yeah, it's borrowed interest and it's also disrespectful for content that you really value. Of course. Right? Marvel fans Mm. truly love oh, the yeah. Marvel franchise. Shout out to so our you're uh, audio editor, Mikey Malarkey, biggest fan ever. Yeah. You got to respect that content in the same way a fan does. So right. we made two short films about Tom Holland as Spider-Man. One of them, he's actually taking his driver's test. Oh, yeah, with Jamie Smooth. 
So with J.B. Smoove. Yeah. That was a great casting combo. J.B. Smoove is pretty awesome. Oh, yeah. Like, Tom Holland is awesome as well, but I'm just saying, J.B. would, like, come over and sit in Video Village and shoot the oh, really? shit. And he was yeah. just having a good time. But That's if awesome. you do something like that and respect the content, as opposed to just trying to make a commercial, but you actually use your product or your brand and interact with this content in a way that mm. respects that content, people who love Marvel go, oh, good, you love it as much as we do. And, we and they have an affinity for you versus, oh, hey, thanks for taking um, thanks for taking Spider-Man and dropping him in a commercial and basically treating him like crap. Thanks right. for ruining the thing I love, the book or the story or the movie. And then so, they'll resent your brand if you do it poorly. Uh, they will. Isn't that a simple rule that so many people forget early on? If you treat people like you don't care about the things they care about, you just make advertising and, and interrupt them, they will resent you. Absolutely. And a, a golden rule is just respect people. Respect them in what they love. You love the things they love. It's amazing how you, you respect the things they respect. You, you, you take part in the stories they want to take part in. They won't resent you, and they're that much closer to building an affinity with you or building a fandom or shit, loving you at, at, at the best of times. You, you were able to do that with two pretty intensely passionate uh, fan groups, the Pokemon Go and then the Marvel groups. They love their, their brand. So if you were able to be successful with that, I'm sure you can do that with a bunch of other clients. So, that's, And I, I think it's about you. to do that. We're talking to students in a way, right? Yeah, as people the, that want to break into advertising. The, the key there is your job is not to make commercials. Because when you make commercials, they look like every other commercial and they sound like every other commercial. And then you end up with something that people have learned their whole lives to ignore. Right. You have learned it. I've learned it. Every listener has learned that when a commercial comes on, and I'm just going to use a TV commercial, but it could be anything, a billboard, sure. a, a social post. A commercial comes into your life. You, your brain goes, nah, I'm, never mind. I, I have to move past this as fast as possible. But if you really truly want to build fandom, let's say your brand wants fandom, you want to you want to gain fans, people who respect, love, and want to interact with you. Don't put a commercial in front of them. Come up with something else. Come up with something that's interesting or fun or weird or shit sad. So that's okay. Yeah. You can make something sad or just or helpful, and, and they're that much more likely to interact with you and relate. I couldn't agree more. And it's hard to do, but just checking out your <laughs> right. work, you know, checking out your work and what you guys do at MH, you might get some inspiration. So it is I hard mean, to do. I, That's the rub. I want to get an understanding of your background and kick it back to how you got into all this. We'll call this the break in portion of the episode. <laughs> what was your break in? Because it wasn't traditional, right? In any way. No. Mm. Yeah, that's that. So there's multiple break. I think everyone has multiple breaking points. Okay. Right? What do you mean by in, that? In hindsight, I asked, whenever I interview someone, I, I have a question that I'm always interested in, which is everyone who works in advertising got in one of two ways. Number one, you either always wanted to be in advertising. Mm -hmm. You knew about it as a kid, a family member that, or a friend worked in the job. You saw some ad as a kid that got you interested. You, mm -hmm. you were into design and then figured out advertising was your way, whatever. You've always wanted to do advertising. And the other way is you had no idea that advertising was a job. And all of a sudden you got sober at 25 and had a job in advertising. And you're like, how did I even? 
And I think that's true. I think that's true. In the same way, have you ever heard comedians are either sober or drunk? There's no comedian mm. that casually has two drinks. Yeah, I have heard that. That's, that I, don't, I don't know that one's true, but but in hindsight, you realize there was lots of ways. Maybe you didn't get into advertising until all of a sudden you just appeared there, but there's lots of things along your path that have prepared you for it. Yeah. I liked making stuff as a kid. I liked making stop motion movies with a VHS uh, video camera and, and action figures. I like building forts. I like making music. In college, I was a, a sound design major, which basically meant I was learning how to produce music and work in studios and create sound design for films. And it was about putting together lots of pieces of things to make something greater. Like I would get together musicians, one of them had a great song, and I'd say, okay, well, let me find a piano player, we'll fill mm -hmm. in something, and we'll get oh. you in the studio on this day. And A good creative director has to do something. That's a, skills for a good creative director. I, I, that's a very absurd. I didn't know that at the time. I thought we were just messing around in a studio and we would throw things at a song. What you realize over time when you finally work in advertising is, oh, the idea of tinkering and making is you training yourself to try different things in, in advertising. Now you look at kids that basically every single kid has got a, a pro video camera on their phone. Okay. And everyone's got editing software on their on their computer and everyone's a publisher or a broadcaster because of social media and you basically realize that every single youth is training themselves to be a maker of some sort and if they want to get exactly. into advertising i think they're going to have an easier time than we did so all that basically led up to me eventually going to ad school i had done undergrad and i had worked mm. in a bunch of different jobs none of them quite feeling right for me until uh until I just ended up at an agency. A, a buddy of mine was a receptionist at an ad agency and said, hey, I, I'm going to leave. This is a great place. I think you dig it. I know you're not happy at your other job. And I took mm -hmm. this job as an ad. ad exactly. Okay. No, I, I was the receptionist. An executive assistant would have been a huge step up. I would have been excited. Okay. I was okay. making coffee and like greeting people at the door and, and saying, come on. So in, was this in. before or after you went to ad school? That was So that was before. I ended up at, okay. at, at an ad agency with a really great group of people who made me realize the job is one thing, but these people all are making something together and they dug each other. They were mm -hmm. good people. There was always music playing in the agency. Everyone would go hang out together. A lot of young people. What agency? It was called Ground Zero in Los Angeles. Okay. It was just a good group of people that made me feel really welcome. And as a 24-year-old who was looking around trying to figure out how I was going to translate this college education into a real job it mm -hmm. just clicked for me i'm like oh i can i like what these people do they get paid and they don't have to wear a tie and those right. three things checked my three big boxes i ended up mm -hmm. going back to ad school from there moving from los angeles up to san francisco doing ad school at miami ad school there mm -hmm. and then got a job at akqa in san francisco and what did you um, study? A, Were you a copywriter or, or art designer? Or art, I was a, art I was a copywriter. And, okay. and I did copywriting because I've never been a great artist, but okay. I'm, I've always been a good arguer. I, I can, yeah. I, I, I mean, it was either like I was going to be a copywriter and, and be, and figure out how to describe things that way, or I guess be a lawyer or something where you're paid to argue with people. 
Yeah. And it just, it made a lot of sense to me. I liked, I'd studied sociology and psychology and this idea of how people think in the world and how they react to the world around them. And then writing, let's just say writing stories that cause those reactions and get people sure. to think it made a lot of sense. Now I have a question. Right. I have a question here. So you were at your receptionist, let's we'll call it receptionist, right? At this yeah, ground it. zero. You thought it was really interesting. You were inspired by the work they were doing. They didn't wear ties. They were super creative. They were playing <laughs> music. It was a good time, good environment. So did you, at that moment, did you know, like what made you go to portfolio school? Was it, oh. is that what they told you? You needed to do that. Do you regret that? Were there other options now looking back? What, what I want to hover here for a second. I, I did not want to go to portfolio school at all. Yeah. I, my goal, I was like, yo, I'm going to get a job at this agency. So I was getting to be friends with all the creatives and uh, I took every creative in the agency, which that's how I remember it. I don't, maybe I forgot some people. I'm sorry sure. if anyone's listening, but I, I took every creative over a couple months out to lunch and I asked everyone, I dig what you do. How do I get to where you are? What do I do? And every single one of them was like, oh, you go back to ad school. And I didn't want to because I had graduated from college and I had right. plenty of, I had my college debt. Like the idea of going back to school again, it felt like a step back that I wasn't of so course. interested in. But every one of them was like, you go back to school. And they were really great about saying, keep in contact, write me off. Right. I'd love to talk to you. Except for the creative director, who his name was Court Crandall. And the creative director was like, nah, you just get into it. <laughs> and, and I chose, I'm like, oh, I'm going to listen to the creative director. Sure. And, and everyone else in the agency is like, yeah, ask him who the last person he hired who didn't go to ad school was. <laughs> like, you got ad school is mm -hmm. a shortcut, is what I was told. It basically means, you, all you're going to do is think about advertising and concepting, and you're going to study it, and you're going to read the books about it, and it's just going to immerse you in that world for an intense short period of time, a couple of years. Right. And by the time you get out, you're ready to think versus you can go around and get an agency job, but you're probably going to be like you are now starting in a, in a different department, slowly working your way in, and you'll get there. It'll just take you longer. And I was yeah. impatient. That's what I, I went say. went back to ad school. And that's why I say still today. I know there's a lot more creative routes to go i think today's different but the books just nowadays are insanely good that are coming out of these ad schools where a lot of these undergrads there's a couple of really strong undergrad programs but it's hard to keep up with these books nowadays and i don't know what other options there are besides portfolio school what do you think let's what advice do you have for people today do you think portfolio school is still It depends on who you are. How do you learn? How do you get motivated? I yeah. needed I needed to be in a place where I was going to focus on it and do it. If I was trying to do five other things and do classes at night, for me, I would not have been able to focus. I needed yeah. to, to just get into it. You had the structure. But I'll, yeah, I, but I, I see people coming in from lots of different ways right now. I don't think, quite frankly, I don't think the only pathway in is the traditional ad school for three yeah. reasons. One, it's expensive. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have a lot of cash, it, it's unfair and almost wrong to say you have to go the expensive route to get a job because you don't. No. I think yeah. there's plenty of other ways to learn, express, and experience creativity that can bring you into advertising mm -hmm. um, nowadays. And that could be an undergraduate program or can, quite frankly, just be someone who buckles down on TikTok builds a following, learns how people react to certain content, and then starts applying that to brands. That would be a more I of a content creator role that, you're, that we're speaking of. It, it would be, but 
that line between content creator and creative is a movable line. It really yeah, just changing. comes down to how you start thinking. Especially West Coast. Yeah. I, I, They're all about that. Think about it. it. What program you go to is almost a direct reflection of what do you already know at that point. Yeah. If you hit a certain, let's just say you hit 18, and you already know about making and thinking and what people react to and how the internet works and what brands are doing on social that's interesting, and then where are they just completely failing and where is there a real white space? Mm -hmm. That knowledge is something that we didn't have that long ago because you didn't have all these tools around you. You had to go study. Like you had Luke Sullivan on the show before, right? Yeah, yeah. I remember reading. And I think you said something to Luke, which was great, which is this is like one of the few required reading pieces to every ad student still. Yeah, yeah. And that was the same thing when I went 20 years ago. That book, you'd read through it and you understood it, but it was a roadmap to what's mm -hmm. expected of you. I think, yeah, now you still have to teach people what happens in the agency business, but you don't always have to teach people how to express themselves creatively because they've got so many more mm -hmm. uh, opportunities yeah. to do that. And so I think portfolio school is one great way to dive into that, but it's not the only way. For anymore. sure. Get, get a job at an agency, work at a production house, work with an influencer, become an influencer. Shit, just start a YouTube channel and, and start posting what you think is a really interesting and new way to express yourself through film or stop motion or photo montages or whatever. Mm. Just start making and then come up with a point of view about what worked and what didn't. And that's a starting conversation with an yeah. agency. That's fair. It's fair. It's practical. And I like how you said, because if you buckle down and you have that discipline where you can do it every single day on your own and reach out to necessary people and put in the work on your own, by all means, go do it. I, it. It takes some time, but you can build a portfolio on your own if you have the discipline for sure. Yeah. And I don't think it's easy. No. I don't think the job's easy, so I don't think getting into it should be so easy either. I like that. I like that. I think you're the first person to say that. It's called breaking and entering. And For a reason. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's the first time anybody's ever agreed. That's a good reason. It's a hard job. Breaking in should be hard too. That's and, fair. The, and I guess one thing, there's two things you need to get a job. The first one is you need a solid way to prove you think in a certain way. That could be a book. Exactly. Hey, this is my book. This is how I think. And especially when it comes to a student book, you're not applying real world uh, boundaries to that book. Spec work. It's spec work. And, and you get to do that without a client telling you that's appropriate or not appropriate, right. whatever. You get to say, if I had to tackle this problem in a perfect world, I tackle it like this. Yes. Which is awesome. Yeah. No, there's no bounds to a book. And that's there's, why like, we always stress, show your creativity off. There's, you're, this is not going to happen again, like, right. for the most part, until maybe later. But if you get a really and that's, client. That's, that's one of those big factors. You, you need to be able to show off how you think. Yeah. And the second thing is you got to get someone to actually pick it up and look at how you think. You got to get noticed. Yeah. Those are the two factors because you can have the best book in the world, but if your emails aren't getting looked at or if you're not you don't you're not connecting with the recruiters or with the creatives that can look at it or you're not mm -hmm. entering shows that are happening to respect the way that you think or whatever it is, then what you are is a really great thinker that isn't being given not, the opportunity or let's well, say isn't being discovered. Or right? and then if you're having issues as an aspiring advertiser, 
to get discovered in advertising yourself. That's tough. It's it's a tough. That's right. a red flag. You got to be able to be creative enough to get your book out there. Yeah, and, and, and that's networking. That's being creative. I know somebody, yeah. and I don't always listen. I think I'm a big advocate that your your work should speak for yourself, and you shouldn't really have to do much stunt work per se. But there was a student that I know that Venmo requested the a creative penny. director, and Venmo requested him fifty thousand dollars on Venmo <laughs> and saying. Uh, hire me, please, or something like that. So well, that know, caught the attention, and he got an yeah. interview. It didn't get him the job, but he got eyes on the book. But that's all you could do. We had one. We had an employee who who was sending out pennies. Okay, so they'd send you a penny, and then be like, "Oh, I accidentally sent you some money." Oh, okay, this is just because I want your thoughts on my book. Okay, and yeah. and, and that worked, right? Yeah. It was just yeah. it was different. One thing I did back in the days. I was a couple of jobs in and Facebook was just coming out and I realized that you could create Facebook ads. Oh, here we yeah, I love this. That were very specific to people, right? Yeah, this yeah. was like early on and you could bid on the ads and they cost almost nothing. Mm -hmm. And you can you could drill that ad down and say I want to reach a person that went to this school through mm -hmm. this years is about this old works in this kind of industry and then mm -hmm. their algorithm would basically target the ad. And I was a couple of jobs in and I was starting to look around. And so I was writing people with such hardcore specific mm -hmm. um, keywords and search criteria that I knew exactly who was going to get the book. Mm -hmm. And so I would make the ads, Hey, Karen, blah, blah, blah. Or, or yeah. Hey, Jeff, blah, blah, blah. He goes you know, right to him. If, yeah. I would just write to him, but it showed up as an ad on the side of their so, the old school Facebook there wall. There you go. But there was a story back in the day at my first job which I mentioned at ground zero and as a receptionist mm. where someone had come in and had thrown a wallet on the ground. And what they'd done is they had comped up uh, a driver's license. That was a fake driver's license for the creative director. Mm -hmm. And then instead of money in that money slot, they'd filled it with small pieces of their work. Ah. And then they threw the wallet down and someone found the wallet and was like, Hey court, you dropped your wallet. Yeah. Cause they looked at the, and he's like, I didn't drop my wallet and then looked in there and it was all these pieces that's of work. Smart. That's pretty smart. And I remember that to this day. Cause I thought that's awesome. You forged an official document, which <laughs> the legality of that I'm going to set aside. I thought yeah. it was awesome. I just thought yeah. that was a great way to basically hack someone's own return policy and be like, no, I have on. a very, I have a very, I love these. And I have a very straightforward question for you. Let's say somebody has a, this wallet idea to you for the first time. And you open up the billfold and you check his work and the works. Eh. <laughs> eh. Are you hiring this person? Or are you not hiring him? No. On the work? No. The thing is, you're hoping that someone who comes up with a really awesome way to get noticed has done it for more than that one effort, that they've come up with really great ways for their clients to get noticed. If you find this great, let's just call it a gimmick that gets your attention, specifically you, mm -hmm. and the work isn't great, you will tell everyone about this great gimmick you saw and this kid you didn't hire. Yeah. But I will say, let's say the average book to really, let's get right out of school, right out of school. Let's say the average book comes out and there's one thing that's awesome. Undergrad or, or portfolio. Well, either one. You're, okay. All you're right. looking you get, at books. You get a new book. You get a new book. Someone's applying for book. a job. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Um, rarely. And I, rarely do you see a book where every single thing is awesome yeah. what is one or two things that are awesome and then 
you see a lot of other things that have aspects of potential. Wow, look sure. at how the design was on this. The idea is terrible. They but they mm. found something in this to 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 excel at. Look at this right. line. That line is hilarious. I don't know if I like the rest, but they found a great line. Mm. And right. when you're looking at young people, you only need a couple things that blow your mind and a lot of other things that show potential. I people like got hired on less. That's you want to see fair. someone and go, this person, I know they have tons to learn. I don't expect them to have it all solved. Sure. But do they look like they are set up to be able to advance and, and absorb what we're talking about and be hungry about it? And now, do yeah. they have the desire to put in the effort to learn more? That is what you're looking for. Because rarely do you see a book that's going to blow your mind. That's all going to be home runs. No. And in fact, if you are seeing that book, there's going to be a lot of people bidding on that sure on that student which is great and and it's probably an older person's book and by older I, right. I simply mean more years in not age of course yeah no that makes sense i think you gonna, you, you got to show that uh, you yeah, go ahead i'm going to put your uh, camera off for a second cuz we're getting unstable internet here oh okay me too all right but yeah i think yeah let me know if there's any issues but i'm getting good good reception on my end but i was just okay. gonna say you got to show that you can you understand the work here that you, uh, you know what you're doing and you have potential and you have a couple really envious pieces in there maybe one yeah. or two but and, and, I, and, and even more important is you have the ability to think outside of a singular medium i think one okay. of the biggest turnoffs with young people oh god i gotta stop saying young people one of the biggest turnoffs with Mm -hmm. new recruits and advertising is you see a book that feels one note because you're looking for people that are robust. You're looking for people that can, that can think up all sorts of crazy solutions and all sorts of new ways. So if you see a book where it's just all print pieces or it's just all traditional work, part of me goes, well, wait a minute, I hire young people because you think in ways I don't. This is something that I think everyone who's looking for a job needs to realize you are coming in with a perspective that your creative directors don't have. And that's mm -hmm. why you're desired. You're coming in with a new way to think about outlets, a, a new way. You're going to, you're going to blow up how a podcast is thought about. You're going to come in with a new way to hack Twitter. You're yeah. going to come in with some platform they've never even heard of. That's going to be huge. You're going to, you're going to come in and, and put something on clubhouse that blows everyone's mind. And you're yeah. going to do that because you're not constrained by the years of learning what's supposed to happen and what an ad's supposed to be and what a platform is supposed to be. And so you're hired as this raw and crazy mind that doesn't know rules. And the job of creative directors or executive creative directors is, is to say there's potential there mm -hmm. and it's raw. And I'm going to help you learn how to harness it Honestly, you're thinking about things in ways that the rest of the people at this agency don't. That's why you're hired as a new advertising person. You're not hired because you're going to sell the next Super Bowl spot. That's not why we hire juniors. You're hired because you're thinking in the way no one else is thinking. And I don't even know if I can sell it right away. I just know that that's fresh. and that's So come in and let's show you how to hone that. Let's show you how to build your craft. Let's show you how to sharpen your thinking, but don't lose that new weirdness that you have because no one else has that. That's great. I love that. You hire senior people because they've got the craft down and because they're mm -hmm. going to solve it quickly in ways that you know, right. but you don't hire junior people for that. You hire them for potential. I love it. I love it. I did. I, I don't remember. Did we talk about um, 
your first job outside of port- when you graduated portfolio school? No, my first job. What was that? My first job was at AKQA, which oh yeah, um, the uh, a fully digital agency, right. and I was shopping my book around, and I was interviewing in New York, and I was interviewing. I interviewed in Louisville, and nice. in, in, in Bend, Oregon. I was talking to everyone. I sent my book out everywhere, just everywhere, because I wanted to get to know people, and I didn't know where I wanted to end up, and and I ended up also signing up at a uh, like a freelance like a shop, sure. like a temp, like a temp shop. Yeah. Yeah. And AKQA needed a writer for Sprite and they had reached out cause they, they were hiring a lot of people and they'd reach out to this temp company to help them hire someone. So I got brought in as a freelancer when I had never had a job at an agency before. Okay. But they liked my book and they're like, all right, you come in, we're going to have you do this stuff. And so I started as a freelancer at AKQA and my number one thought right when I started was, well, this will be short because in my head, I thought I'm supposed to work at a big traditional agency. This is just Mm -hmm. how I thought at the time and working at a digital only agency to me felt, and this was like mid two thousands. It felt like I was pigeonholing myself. I'm like, I don't want to just do banners or anything like that. And so I thought I'd be there for a little bit and then just move on. And when I got there really quickly, I realized, Whoa, I didn't know this stuff was advertising. Like this is before social media, before iPhones, before data heavy cell phones, you were still calling. And so the idea that this agency was working in the digital space meant there was no rules. Like it was almost like the prisoners got to run the prison because all of us creatives just got to throw crazy ideas out and our creative directors. And it was uh, uh, PJ Pereira and, and Ray and Amano and Ray runs an Amano and co now okay. and PJ runs Pereira and Odell. They were like, let's just, there's no rules here. It's the wild West. Let's come up with amazing stuff. I love it. And as someone who came out of ad school, realizing our job is to make new and fresh, mm-hmm. I didn't want to go into digital, but once I got there, I realized this is exactly what we've been talking about. I like it's that. not the big productions. I thought it was going to be at first, but I'm still making video. It was LeBron's, like rookie year and we were making That's this sick. big program with LeBron. It was like the first thing I ever did. And and then it took me only a minute to realize, wait a minute, I don't need to make TV spots right away. I just did a spot with LeBron. It just happens to be online. Nice. And love- that fact that that was a new space forced me to think that way. And it took me a couple months to realize, okay, I was wrong about digital. There's, this is awesome because there's no rules. And I loved that idea. Yeah. I guess you can make those parallels now with VR, AR, metaverse, all the new emerging technology today. Yeah. The one thing I would say is, especially as a someone who's just getting started in advertising, is you don't want to get into a niche area and get pigeonholed as that. Sure. So I think there's something extremely powerful about getting a place that feels like it's just emerging, working in an agency that's touching areas that no one else will touch. Yeah. That's that means that you will be desired if that area explodes because you will have an expertise that that no one else was bothering to learn early I on. I love it. But at the same time just make sure that you don't stay there so long that, that becomes the only thing you're expert at. Yep, it's a fine line and you'll get a feel for it, I'm sure everybody that well you'll know when it's time to go or time to expand. Yeah. 
you got to be there. So I appreciate it. I have an, I, Joel, this has been great. I have no more further questions here. Can people reach out to you if they're interested in your story uh, or they want to ask you about MH? And if yeah. so, what's the best way to do that? Yeah. Just uh, reach out at joel.kaplan at, at MH. MT, well, this is where it gets confusing with the name. Okay. It's actually joel.kaplan at mtzhf.com or just find my site online. You can go search me to search Joel Kaplan, creative director or Joel Kaplan, copywriter, and it'll come up. Perfect. I'll have that but, in our Instagram for sure. Yeah. Re reach out. I'm always down to talk to students. I think everyone, it's the desire to get better. That really is the number one indicator. Yeah. And it seems people. like you're good at, you have a good eye and as a, any creative director should to help out talent, to see potential. I'm sure you'll have a lot of, interesting things to say to people if they reach out and, yeah, and the opposite of that is if i don't get back to you it doesn't mean you have no potential it just means sure. things got crazy and, and your email got buried sorry about yeah that. yeah I, we i think people know that you guys are everybody's super busy especially you so yeah you know the one be, thing i'll say in, in response to that is if you reach out to someone and they get back to you don't ghost them because that shit happens and people mm. don't forget like you reach out to someone and it, you reach out to me and I spend time to write back to you and you ghost me. I don't mean to, you just, your name will stick in my head as the person for who sure. ghosted. So for sure. if you're going to start something, then start it and talk. Yep. Commit. Yeah. Commit. Don't everybody get a wants, response and then be like, nah, I'm done. Everybody claims they want a mentor early on, but sometimes they really don't. They don't really want to commit. <laughs> they just want somebody to get them a job and that's different. So hey, I get it. Yeah. You need, you need to work. I get that. Cool. All right, Joel, this has been Great episode. I appreciate you coming on and have a great day. Thanks for having me, Gino. Of course. Did you hear anything on this episode about a job you'd like to have someday soon in advertising, strategy, design? The kind of job where you use your brain and your creativity? If you did, chances are a portfolio can really help you get that job. That's where Chicago Portfolio School comes in. They have programs and classes that help you show off your thinking and get you the job you want. So visit them at chicagoportfolio.com. And if you drop my name, Gino, into the chat box, they'll send you more info and a cool Sharpie or just some more info. You can decide that. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to this entire episode of the Breaking and Entering Advertising Podcast. If you liked what you listened to today and you like the guests, please go ahead and connect with them. Easiest way to find their contact information and to see those resources that they recommended for you is to go to our Instagram at breaking and entering pod, all one word. And for some quick thank yous for making this show possible, the first one is the company Sure. It's a microphone company, S-H-U-R-E. They provided the microphone that you're listening to right now. It's the MV7. It's great for podcasting and other forms of content. So if you're interested in starting a podcast or you're looking for equipment, talk, talk with me. I really recommend the Sure MV7. Happy to give you details on that. And I would also like to thank my two guys, Mikey Malarkey, who's our audio engineer, does it every week. He's the let's kick it in the beginning. Thank you to Mikey. And, of course, thank you to Buchan Zhang, our creative director. Buchan is responsible for amazing visuals on our Instagram. So thank you, Buchan. And thank you all once more for listening. We will see you next week.